How's everyone doing today? Good, good. I am so blessed to be here. I'm, I'm thankful for Pastor Josh and, and Pastor Miko for letting me come. Uh, I was here a little bit over a year ago, and uh, since, since then I've been traveling nonstop, especially after December. Uh, in the last two years, I think I've been in seven, seven different countries. Uh, the Lord has just been doing amazing things. I'm on route right now. I'm going to Nepal for five weeks, meeting up with a team from South Africa. We'll be going out to the, to the Himalayan mountains, teaming up with, with YOM and Iris Global, and, and we're going to go spend five weeks reaching out to unreached areas uh, where there's no, no churches or little churches or little Christian influence. And, and then from there, I'm on details right now, working out and moving to China. So spend, <laughs> I'm excited about that. And yes, China will bring revival to the rest of the world. <laughs> I'm excited. I am so glad to be here. I'm going to really share something that is dear to my heart. It's a message that I've walked out the last couple of years, and um, I, I, I'm thrilled to be able to do it in front of some very dear friends of mine, the Bates family. They, they took me here, so thank you guys for being here. They're amazing. Went through school together with Andrea and, and uh, her daughter. And uh, just a phenomenal family. I'm going to be speaking about the emphasis of the new covenant. I'm going to try to dumb some things down, if you don't mind me saying that. What I mean by that is I'm just trying to make it as practical as possible in simplifying the message of Jesus by also bringing out some really key thoughts that I believe that we need to understand in, in what Jesus accomplished for us. When, we, when I think about the gospel, when I think about Jesus... There has to be an understanding about who he is. You know, we talk about this prayer, our Father in heaven, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and we, we speak about the message that Jesus brought was not just a message of salvation, it was a message of the kingdom of God, that he came to bring and facilitate a new life. There is a new breath that he came to bring. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus appears to the disciples and says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So it's basically what he's saying is, what you just saw in my life to this point what you've seen me do, the same commission I'm giving you, look at my life, look at me, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Now we understand the giving of the Holy Spirit in the context of the baptism or the filling or the empowerment that Jesus says in, in the book of Luke and, and in the, uh, Acts chapter 1, he says, uh, it says do, just wait, don't go anywhere, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed, Luke says, clothed the power from on high. In other translations, other places says, endued with power from on high. So in Pentecostalism and, and different areas, it, it, there was an understanding of people wondering, how did, did the Holy Spirit come? And, and, and in some, some places, people would say, well, you don't receive the Holy Spirit until you have a, a, an experience of power. Uh, but I, I want to I talk about not just the clothing of power, but the dwelling, the, the, the invitation that the person of, of the Holy Spirit coming and saying, this is my home. So in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed the Holy Spirit into them. He breathed the Holy Spirit into them. And from there, I believe that that was... 
If I understand right theologically, that was their born-again experience. That was when Jesus had come, he had, he had, already, he had, he had visited. He, Mary, he came to Mary tried to cling to his feet, and he, he says, don't, don't cling to me yet. And, and, and so now he appears to the disciples, and, and he, he comes to me, breathes the Holy Spirit, and now God has a home in, in man. What, what did that entail? Why did he give us the Holy Ghost? What was all that about? And in 2 Peter verse 1, 3, Peter writes and he says, he talks about how through the Holy Spirit we've been given everything. He talks about that by the Holy Spirit we've been given the resources, the blessings of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So he says, by His divine power, He's given you everything you need. Everything that you need. We talk about heaven often, and it's a good thing, because heaven is the created realm where, where God's throne is. We know of paradise, and Paul, when he talks in the scriptures about actually having that he knows a person, which many people think he's actually talking about himself, I know a man who went to the third heaven. So he's talking about these things, and he heard words that are illegal to speak in this realm. (laughs) So we see the the excellence of of that paradise, but why is heaven such a good place? Why has it had such a a great... um, Emphasis laid on it. And why, why would we think of, you know, heaven is just so great? Why? Because he's there. It's pretty simple. <laughs> heaven is awesome because he's there. Why are blessings good? Because it comes from him. Where do we find our definition of good? There's no one good but God. Therefore, everything that is good, the definition of love, the definition of peace, all of it comes and it's from the expression of who God really is. I need to see him. So when I pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's actually saying, you need to see what my kingdom is like. For in order for me to be able to want to see his kingdom come, I need to know what it is that needs to come. Why would I want to see kingdom come unless I know how good it really is? So in that, we actually have to understand he actually made a possible way for me to know what that is like, to know who he really is like. God is actually expressing himself as in this invitation saying, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew chapter 5. So what he's saying is that I actually want to reveal myself to you in such a way that it gets contagious. That you can't see life. Life doesn't make sense without me. I'm, I'm honestly in this place where like, it doesn't even make sense to me to live life without Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't, tick, tick, it, like, it doesn't make sense. And because of that, I want to see people get saved. Because of that, I want to go to Nepal. 
because of these things, I'm like, oh God, if they only knew. The evidence of a flourishing Christian life is an always increasing revelation in the knowledge of God. It's this, this thing of waking up like, oh, Father, you're more beautiful today than you were yesterday. You're more wonderful today than what I've ever known. And we're getting there. We, we're getting to a place where he's actually saying, listen, coming and believing in me, that's just the door. I'm the door. Once you pass through the door, guess what? Guess what you get on the other side? You get me, he says. <laughs> And he's so much bigger than we've ever known and experienced. May we know him. What is, what is it that God wants for us? Like, I understand I'm supposed to know him. I'm supposed to see him. When I see him, I'll become like him. Who knows that verse in Scripture? When we see him, we'll become like him. We should see him as he really is. It says that in 1 John. Basically, when I get a glimpse of who he is, I realize who I am because I was created in his image. I find my identity, I find my value in, the, in the, the person of who he is. I literally, I find life in him. In John chapter 17, Jesus says, and this is life, that they may know you, speaking to the Father, and your son, whom you have sent. So eternal life, sincerely, it's, it's knowing him who is the author of it. If I want to have passion in my life, if I want to have hope in my life, if I want to be able to love other people, come to him. If I find sin in my life and I can't get free, if I'm stuck in depression, I, I, I don't know how to shake myself out of it, he says, come to me. Jesus literally says, I've given you everything you need. By the Holy Spirit, I want to come and live inside of you. I actually want to make my home in you. I want to reveal to you what my life in you really looks like. The Christian life, honestly, in its, in its most simplest sense, is the life of God coming inside of you, and you no longer living for yourself by your own abilities, but now it's his abilities working through you, giving you purpose, value. Now you find out the reason you're really living for Paul says, he says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's basically what he's saying is that when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into mankind, he says, the life of God has come inside of you. And that means a whole lot. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, it talks about the covenant. You know, we talk about old covenant, new covenant. Like, what in the world is that word and what does that mean? Old Testament, New Testament. Basically, he's saying, I'm making a new agreement with how I'm going to deal with humanity and how, how are we going to relate with one another. I'm going to make a pact with them. And he says, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. From the beginning, this has always been the story. You know, Adam sinned, was really bad, and everything went downhill from there. And God says, you know, to Adam and Eve, before it all went downhill, he says, listen, the day you eat the fruit of the tree is a day you will surely die. And when they ate the fruit of the tree, guess what? They didn't really die like how we would suppose they would. Something inside died. Spiritual death that ended up manifesting in the physical death later on. 
But the picture that we see with God and how he deals with mankind at that time is actually quite phenomenal. And I think we miss it a lot because as soon as they sinned, God came to them. And this is his words. He says, Adam, where are you? And you find that same expression from Genesis to the book of Revelation. God is saying, where are you? He never wanted separation, and he's always been working and bringing people back into fellowship and union with him. So he says, this is the law that I'm going to write with them. I'm going to write my laws on their minds and in their hearts, and they will be my people. I'm going to put my, my pen in here. Should take. So basically... Verse 11 says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For, he's basically saying, this is all that's going to happen, and this is how it's going to happen. For, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. He says, I will put my, he says in verse 10, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 14 and 16, Paul writes, he says, may I boast, may I never boast, may I never be proud in anything except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Nothing that I can do to myself will count for anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow the rule, to the Israel of God. So basically he's writing and says what really matters is this new creation. It's this new person that becomes alive. And this new person is actually formed in the image of God. And the law of God is written on their minds and on their hearts. What I'm all trying to say is this. Have you ever wanted to live righteous before Christ? Like did you ever really want to love people? Did you ever wake up and say, oh man, God, I just need, really need to love people? Like, oh man, like I just really messed up. And, and, and you know, a lot of times we go through that and then we look at ourselves introspectively, we're trying to fix ourselves and I, I feel like dirt, I feel like slime. And all this kind of stuff happens and this condemnation thing tries to come on us. And my question is, did you ever want to live righteous before Christ? If not, then where did that come from? It came from him. He's the one who's making you want to live that way. He's the one who's giving you a desire to want to love. And if he gives me a desire for it, will not that same grace also empower me to do it? See, grace is the supernatural ability of God to empower the individual in the new life that they have in Christ. See, grace works in many different ways. Mercy and grace, they, they come and they work as, as, an, as this, this, this gift of God that he gives to you. And, and it covers your sins and it takes away your past. And you're found holy and spotless and blameless. And he says, now I've taken it from you. But now I'm also giving you the ability to do the things that you could not do before. The Old Testament law, seriously, this is what it was. It says, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I'll prove to you, you got issues. And I'll prove to you, you can't do it. And I'll show you that you need a savior. And part, and then, and the part of the old covenant thing, he, and this is, it transfers into the New Testament, but I'll show you. One of the old covenant things, he says, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. In the Old Testament, basically, you shout, oh, man, I can't be. In the New Testament, Peter writes, says, be holy, for I am the Lord your God, I'm holy. And then Jesus says, and I'll show you how. Holiness comes by the working of the gift of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is me standing right before God. I can look him eye to eye 
and say, God, there's nothing in between us. There's nothing that is holding me from you. I can come into the throne and say, Father, even on my worst season, on my worst day, I can have boldness. I can seriously come into the very place that the high priest appointed by the old law would have to tremble in fear to come into. And I can come in as a son. I say, God, there's nothing wrong between you and me. Because of the blood of Jesus. I'm not saying uh, don't deny that if you have something wrong. I, I, I'm saying you can confess your sins and you can do all that. But what I'm saying is that I can actually come into you and say, God, this is, this is the junk that I have. And he says, I created you for more than that. Let me take it off of you. Give me your sin, son. Give me your sin, daughter. Huh. He wants you to be free. Because you were always created to be holy. I am most free when I'm most holy. I think a lot of times we emphasize the difficulty of the Christian life. And I'm telling you, it's a lot more difficult to live the other way. So serious. So it's hard to bear my cross. Did you try the other way? I'll tell you, it's much easier. <laughs> and if we can see if we can understand, if we can have proper understanding in this life, we'll find out, man, we are really more than conquerors. It's not just a good Bible passage. If I can realize not every thought that goes through my head really comes from me, oh, man, will I be free. When I realize that I'm not a slave to those things that used to work in me. See, the Scripture says there was a power that used to work in me. It's called the sin nature. It's called the power of sin. It's a law, Romans 8, the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for uh, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So if I used to have issues, and if there was a power in me causing me to sin and causing me to do things that I did not want to do, and now I've received righteousness, Romans chapter 6 actually says there's a new power that works in me now. It's called the power of righteousness. It's, it's the power compelling you to do things that you've always wanted to do. And sometimes compelling you to do things that you did not want to do, but you know you should do. And it's compelling you to do them. <laughs> if the power of the sin nature was powerful, how much more powerful is the power of the divine nature? If I was derived and held in chains, how much more free can I be of the spirit of God who breathed stars and created the universe as the cosmos lives inside of me? I'm so serious because like we can, I do this, I talk this way because I can preach in a lot of church services, but when we get off the stage and I take off the mic, we're just real people and life has issues, but if I can understand, if I look at him, keep my eyes on him. My whole body, my whole life will be filled with light. And any kind of deception that tries to creep in, any kind of life circumstance that tries to mold my thinking, it gets eradicated when I set my eyes on him. I don't want to just incorporate Jesus in. It doesn't work. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. I need to be possessed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's go to um, Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19. 
And I will give them one heart. Pastor Josh talked about this. I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh. and uh, I, stick, I take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So they may wa- walk in my statues and keep my ordinances and do them. They will be my people and I shall be their God. Again, he says, they will be my people and I shall be their God. This is, this is honestly, if I hold the gospel message in a little nutshell, this is basically God's divine plan to bring your people to himself. I think it's Isaiah 66 or 61, somewhere there, 60 verse 1, one of those. He says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where is the house that you will build for me? What he's saying there is, listen, heaven can't contain me. Earth can't contain me. Scientists say that the universe is actually constantly expanding. I, I joke around. I, I, wonder, I wonder if the universe is expanding because it can't contain the glory of God and just being pressed, thrust forward, and it can't contain it. And he says, where is the house that you will build for me? And then John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus appears and then says, guess what? I'm just going to decide to live in you. And he brings this talk. The New Testament writers, they talk about this reality of, of living stones. Like, what does that even mean? It does, but basically, there was a temple. It was a template in the old times when, during the time of Moses and, uh, or time of uh, Moses with the tabernacle. And then Solomon came and built a temple. And it was, a, it was supposed to be a type, a shadow. It was supposed to foreshadow something that God was doing. And he basically says in metaphorical language, like, you guys are the stones of that temple. Each, every single one of you are building a piece together to a place that I can live and dwell together. That that is why it's so important for us to gather into the house of God. It's just these stones are just kind of coming in and saying, hey, let us come and let us enjoy the presence of the Lord. And he, guess, guess what? He actually wants to come. He actually wants to show up in his own meeting. <laughs> we can actually come into a place where we ex- expect the weighty presence of God to show up. Because I will be their God and they will be my people. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. Come on, and I believe that's what he's doing in our lives. And let's go, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Now this is, this is something that the uh, writer of Hebrews talks about, verse 12, because he says, he says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I'll be their God and they will be my people. And then in verse 12 in Hebrews 8, he says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He literally says, I will forgive all the wrong stuff they did and all the evil stuff they do. I'm not even going to remember it in my power. I'm actually going to choose to forget it. What? When I bring my sin and say, God, this is what I've done, I'm sorry. He says, okay, I'm taking it. I don't remember it anymore. So he said, and, and that is actually, he says, for. It, it, it gives a clause in the saying that this is the power of this reality. You can be a new creation. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in liberty when you understand that you've been given everything you need to stand before him pure and holy. Because if I'm trying to make myself appear righteous before other people, or even trying to make myself appear righteous before God, I'm missing the point. On that same line, I tell people all the time, if I have to preach at people and force them not to sin, I'm telling you right now, they're missing, I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point as a preacher, and they're missing the point as a hearer. 
My job, honestly, if, if you understood the goodness of God, if you understood who you was, I wouldn't have to preach that way, and I don't intend to either. I'm going to tell you sin is wrong. I'll tell you that. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'll tell you the goodness of God. I'll tell you that God is holy. But I cannot change your heart. And I cannot change your decisions. But God can. And so he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will save you from your uncleanliness, verse 29 says. I'm going to finish up with this. God is basically saying, listen, you want to live righteous, you want to live holy, good. It comes from me. But you need to trust me to be the one to do that for you. You, don't, you, don't want, you, you feel convicted when you do something wrong, when you do a sin, or let's say you... You just felt like, man, I could have done something better. And you feel, and you know, in John chapter, first John chapter five. You know what? Do you know what one of the evidences of being born again is? It's a conviction of sin. So when I get convicted, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're not leaving me this way. It gives me room to rejoice. It doesn't. I don't beat myself up because it doesn't help anything. If I did something wrong, I rejoice because I go, oh, thank you, oh, woo, and I turn the other way. It's, the, it's God saying, listen, I'm raising you to another standard. And, I, I, and I'm, not, I'm, trying to be, I'm not trying to be lopsided either. I think there's a time when you will get cut to the heart and you can mourn and weep and rejoice. But as long as you get up and actually go to the place of, of your destiny and step into a place of reality, we can enjoy his presence and know that you're not, those sins are not remembered in your life. I love coming before God. And, if, you know, sometimes I, I was a victim of condemnation and I mistook it as humility for a very long time. And now if I ever feel the condemnation thing creeping up on me, I'm simply, if, I, if I'm standing before God and I know I got, I got some dirt in my hands, I just simply say, Jesus, sorry, forgive me. Thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it. And just step right into that reality. Don't dwell in your past. It will not propel you forward. Look at him. Yeah. And he says, by giving you his spirit, he says, I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and careful to keep my, your laws. John chapter 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So what is my job? Die to myself and abide. If I feel, don't feel, whatever, I, just die. Just rest in him. Just, I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven because i give it all to you god trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me there's nothing i hold on to there's nothing i hold on to there's nothing i hold on to and i give it to you god i just give it to you god Give it to him. You were born with purpose. You were born with value. You were born with destiny. Do not be robbed. You were bought by the precious blood of Jesus. That was your estimated value. You were worth that. You were worth the son of God. And he says, I delight in giving my life for you. You were the joy set before him. 
I want to pray. If you would just please stand up. I'm going to do some declarations, and I'm just going to declare some things over you. Then I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up. But I just want you to open your heart, whatever that looks like. If it's easier for you to sit and receive, please do that. I want you to be all heart open, all ears. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now. I just ask you to come by your, by your goodness, by your grace, by your mercy. Just come. Do only what you can do. Holy Spirit, right now I ask, I ask for the open heart surgery, as Pastor Jesus was early praying. Come and just slice away every heart of stone right now. Amputate every cancer and everything that has been drying us up. And fill us right now with perfect peace. You are not held under the power of sin anymore. Jesus Christ is your righteousness. You will not be a slave to your past. You will live victorious and you will see the hope and the promises of the Lord in your life. And I declare over you that you will not be a product of yesterday. You are a product of hope. Father, I just pray right now that you would put your finger on things in life that have hidden shame. And right now, I speak the life and the light of Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. It could not comprehend it. And right now, God, I don't even just ask for an intellectual answer. I pray for supernatural freedom right now in Jesus' name. For things that have held you in years and years of bondage and sleeplessness. Right now, freedom of the Lord, come. In Jesus' name, God, I declare over this place, freedom from bondage and addiction. You are not an addict. You are a child of God. I declare you the grace and the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray right now that you would do only what you can do right now. God, I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If the ministry team can come up, the elders can come and just, I'm going to invite people to come up. And this is honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm let me start, I'm going to start off with this. If there's people here, like, I, I don't know, this is early service, but if there's, if there's people here that maybe your life is not, maybe you just haven't walked committed to Jesus. If there's people here, you maybe never even made a commitment to Jesus or you just maybe have backslid a bit. Jesus wants to make all things new. He doesn't want to hold your sins against you. He, he wants to give you this new life. He actually wants to, everything I talked about, guys, it, it's only for you if you actually come to the one who gives it. You, you can honestly, like, it's for everybody, but I'm saying you can only have it through the one who gives it liberally. He is the definition of everything good. He, he, is, he is the person from all that it flows from. If, if you need that today, we're going to have you just come up and, and tell somebody. If you've been struggling with addiction, if this has been something that's been going on in your life, or yeah, it, maybe anger has ruled your life, the ministry team, you just come up and just tell them. They will lay hands on you, and God will give you freedom today. Maybe you just need to be refreshed. Maybe you've been working hard in the field. Maybe you've been a faithful, seasoned saint in the Lord, and you just know, God, there has to be more. Maybe you need a fresh passion, fresh love. Somebody can come up on the instrument and I'm just going to close up service and this is honestly like this is for any person anyone I want you really to come expecting breakthrough today because the Holy Spirit was given to us the life of God
was given to us. So we would not be a product of anything but relationship with him. Close your eyes. Father, I just thank you for, for blessing every person in this place. We bless them through this week. We bless them through uh, in their families, in their jobs, in their workplaces. I just seal your work. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.